listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 78 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where we're all going to Disney World, sort of. Uh, Thomas, you're not going to Orlando, but if you were, would you be going to Disney World before seeing Maryland play? Uh, maybe Disney World, maybe Universal Studios. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a Universal guy myself. I've you know, really enjoyed my time down there. I'm not really a huge fan of either. I'm not really a theme park guy. I've got motion sickness, so I can't do roller coasters. But I was once in Disney during the NCAA tournament. Went through a lot of phone battery looking at how things were going those days because we were at the parks and not watching the game. I could have sat at the ESPN, whatever the heck it's called, all day watching all the games, but that would have kind of defeated the point, wouldn't it, Ev? Yeah, probably, but but it's the tournament. So. Yeah, but this was, I knew I was going to Maryland. Oh, I didn't know I was going to Maryland at that point, but of course I always do bracket pulls, so I was always interested. That was the year, that was 2012, that was the year when Norfolk State beat Missouri, and I was in a bar watching that right. game, and then was on my phone saying, oh my God, Lehigh beat Duke? It was a great day. We were on a Disney bus, and I was telling people what was going on. It was a lot of fun. Even when before I knew I was going to Maryland, I knew that everybody hates Duke. Uh, because we've had a few uh, dropouts, Ryan has no voice, and Matt's unfortunately working, we've decided to bring back somebody, the ghost, or not really the ghost, but... The voice of Testudo Times and Testudo Times Podcast Pass. Please welcome back, Dave Tucker. How's it going? It's important to have you on these shows when big things are happening. The last time we had you on, Maryland football was 3-0. and That was a seismic event. And now Maryland's in the tournament. This is also a seismic event. Yeah, I think it's pretty seismic. I, I think they were pretty... I mean, I thought they were definitely going to be a bubble team. And to end the season as a six seed and tied for second in the big 10 with the amount of talent that they lost last year, I think is a pretty big deal. It was a pretty big deal. And for a while during the selection show, there were some people who were probably getting a little bit nervous. Like where is Maryland going to be? Cause remember the last two years, Maryland was in the four or five of the top overall seeds region. So they got announced really early and it was just taken care of. But today they had to they were the second to last team announced. And I bet there were some Maryland fans out there that were freaking out a bit like, uh, are they are they gonna be in the tournament? And admittedly so, after you saw Wisconsin getting an eight seed, you were probably thinking, um, what the heck's gonna happen to them if Wisconsin's an eight? What does that make the Terps? I think it was probably a little bit scary for at least some of us. Yeah, yeah I would say so. I mean we you know, I, I checked our Twitter mentions kinda as it was happening. And yeah, you could you could tell people were were kind of freaking out. I could I could imagine that. I I knew some Maryland fans in other places were certainly freaking out a bit. I was never really that w- worried, but after a while, you're getting like, okay, guys, get to the point, please. And you saw the video, right, that they released from the watch party at Turgeon's house, and they were celebrating like they were a bubble team, and they just got in. It was crazy. I didn't expect the team to celebrate that much for being a six seed. It's not really you don't celebrate the seed really. You just celebrate seeing your name up there in the tournament. Like you know, you you wait all year and then that's kind of a you know, a vindication on a pretty good stage because everyone's watching the show. So, you know, 
you, you celebrate that even, you know, you don't celebrate like the seed that you get, you know, as it happens. I don't think they were celebrating the seed. Obviously, they were celebrating getting in, but I was thinking, well, they're not really a yeah. bubble team, so they got in. But maybe it's more along the lines of something we've talked about on past podcasts of how Mark Turgeon might really enjoy coaching this team more than others just because of how young it is, et cetera, et cetera. Let's speak about the tournament and Maryland's matchup. Uh, but first, Thomas, I want to recap the very short trip for Maryland in the Big Ten tournament down the green line in Washington, which was an absolutely a home game. And Dave, very good tweeting, by the way, saying this is what Georgetown, your home game should look like. That was very good tweeting by you, Mr. Tucker. I was very happy to see that. Yeah, that got a lot of tweets and retweets yeah, got, like, and likes. Tweets, I think. My phone, my phone was going a little bit crazy. Um, it was better to look at the phone than actually look at the game as it was happening. Well, there were parts of that game that were really good. I mean, the, the game was good was, for 30 minutes. Yeah, it definitely was. Then um, the second half, they went up by like 10, and I thought they were going to do really well. And the crowd, I mean, the thing that's so frustrating about that loss is that, you know, not necessarily that they lost to Northwestern, because Northwestern's a pretty good team. It's that they had a Verizon Center full of Maryland fans. I mean, it had to have been at least 90% Maryland fans. And to have that opportunity and to lose their first game of the tournament was just utterly disappointing. And it just seems to happen every time Maryland has a conference tournament in DC. You uh, would know more about that than we would because well, every ACC tournament that I ever followed was in like Greensboro. So well, when I, was the last time Maryland played a big uh, a tournament in Washington? Cause I know it's it happened two, at least once or twice. It was 2005 was the last time. And Maryland was definitely a bubble team entering that tournament. And they lost to Clemson in the first round, in their first game. And that knocked them out of the NCAAs for sure. Because ah. Clemson was an awful team that year. Um, well, the good news but is it's in New York next year. So uh, nobody's yeah. going to be that disappointed. But even when... When it was in D.C. before in 2005, I mean, the crowd was nothing like it was um, the other day here for the Big Ten tournament. I mean, there were there were a lot of other ACC teams there and a lot of other ACC fans there. And for the game against Northwestern, I mean, it, there were just so many Maryland fans there. It felt like you were at the um, Xfinity Center. So it, it's just you don't get that opportunity very often if you're Maryland you didn't get that opportunity very often with the ACC you might get a little bit more frequently with the Big Ten but I mean that's what was so frustrating and, and being there and seeing all the other Maryland fans there and I think a lot of them felt the same way you know you just wanted to win at least one game there to have those fans come back for a matchup against Wisconsin. What was interesting, obviously, as I said, that Maryland getting the three seed meant they were the last game of the night, so everybody was off of work. I doubt the crowd would have been like that if they were a four, because they would have been playing in the middle of the afternoon and everybody would have had to have left work. But, yeah, that was crazy. You, The only time I've ever seen a like home game atmosphere for conference tournaments that were at a neutral site have been for recent American tournaments, which were held in Hartford. So those were all UConn home games, but UConn also lost in that, in that tournament. And it was definitely frustrating, Thomas, to see the way that they played. And for me, that was emblematic of a lot of the problems Maryland's had in the past season. 
and in times when they just couldn't hit shots, when it looked like they were going to blow teams out, or even when they weren't, but they needed to get back in the game, they couldn't hit shots, a team came back in it, and then Maryland just couldn't do enough to dig themselves out of the hole they dug. Yeah, it's one of those kind of, yeah, when they fall behind, more often than not, they seem to be the kind of team that, you know, force, you know, tries to force something, tries to just do the, you know, the thing that they want to do, like, you know, get mellow to the hoop, you know, try something, even when that's not working. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what that, what that's all like, you know, these, these droughts have plagued them all year. And I guess that's, you know, just who this team is. And, you know, they've done pretty well with it so far, but I, I don't know. You just hate seeing it in a tournament setting, you know. Oh, you do because because you know every every loss just means that much more. It just means you know you don't get to play more and you know, more heart attacks. Weirdly, in sports, are a good thing. Uh, I don't know about that. I've had a few too. I would rather recently. have a heart. I would rather have a heart attack in the semifinals and in the quarterfinals than just in the quarterfinals. I'll tell you this that. Is, this is true. You're not wrong about that. But there isn't a ton else to speak about this game because Maryland, it didn't end up affecting their seed anyway. I thought they'd probably be a seven. They ended up as a six. Not the worst seed that they could have gotten, as I said. Considering where other teams in the Big Ten fared, including Wisconsin and the tournament champions being seeded lower than they were, not really all that bad of a deal for the Terps. They didn't get a bad matchup, all things considered. And my other favorite thing about this is was they were only five overall seeds lower than they were last year. And last year's team was demonstrably better in almost every way, which was absolutely hilarious, I guess, in hindsight, if you're just comparing Maryland teams. But oddly enough, I was terrified of that game against South Dakota State, who are in the tournament again this year. Dave, I don't know why I'm not as terrified about Xavier. Maybe it's just because I'm thinking that they haven't been very good for most of February into March and had to beat Butler to get in. But oddly enough, this matchup doesn't really frighten me that much. And I think Maryland, compared to their last two first-round draws against really good mid-majors, this one doesn't seem to scare me as much. Maybe it's just me and I'm a bit too much of drink of the Kool-Aid, I guess. The thing that worries me about Xavier is that they're really, really good at rebounding, especially offensive rebounding. They're 26 in Kempom and offensive rebounding percentage. Um, I just think they're they're a pretty tall team. Uh, they lost one of their best players to an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically their version of Mellow Trimble, um, which obviously hurts them. But I'm I'm certainly worried about their their height and their presence in the front court, because I think teams have exposed Maryland's lack of ability to do anything in the front court. Their last uh, several games when they've kind of struggled down the stretch. Um, if DeMonte Dodd isn't scoring, um, you know, they get in a lot of trouble. If he gets in foul trouble, I mean, that happened against Northwestern. Uh, same thing with Bender as well. I mean, they, they really are missing, you know, having that strong presence under the basket um, uh, since Tchaikovsky went down. So I, I, I know he, he was playing a lot. There was a lot of injuries with him throughout the season. He was not playing that consistently. But my, 
I feel since he has been gone, you know, Maryland has really, really struggled and teams are trying to make them one dimensional. And if they're not hitting three pointers, then, you know, they're in trouble. And when I look at Xavier's like roster, obviously the player you're referring to is Edmund Sumner, who is out for the rest of the year. They also still have Trayvon Blewett, who is very good. Uh, no relation to the pit kicker with the same name, uh, strangely. Uh, but they are, I mean, I look at their roster, their biggest player is six foot ten. Demonte Dot is bigger than that, and you would just hope and pray he doesn't get in foul trouble. And if he doesn't, I think Maryland can match up well inside. This is not a deep Xavier team. And whatever you want to say, Thomas, about this particular group of Terps, they are deeper than they were, obviously, last year, and they can go pretty deep, especially in the backcourt. And I think that helps them against a team that doesn't have one of its best players and isn't a particularly deep team, all things considered. And over the last, like, month or so, has really not been playing very well. Those are all valid. I think it's it's pretty, you know, I honestly just think this game's a toss-up. I think it depends on, you know, between probably Trevon Blewett and uh, Melo Trimble. I think it's probably just going to come down to which of those guys plays better. Really? That's it? I mean, I think... It seems like it's unless, more complicated than unless, that. Unless all of Maryland's bigs get in foul trouble, which has happened before and could definitely happen again and then i think if if you know xavier is good enough down low that they can they can do that they can really take advantage of that but like honestly unless that happens um yeah we'll end up probably just having a shutdown of backcourts it's my take and i'm i'm not super informed on it but didn't you also find it funny i guess going back to northwestern i said we weren't going to do this but i just was brought up another point and of course, you listened to recent podcasts with Matt Ellentuck on, and he was talking about hoping the Terps go small and, say, play Justin Jackson at the five. They played LG Gill at the five for a lot of that game against Northwestern, and that didn't work particularly well, did it? Uh, I, I mean, since it's the tournament and since there really isn't anything left you could do, if, you, if they get into some trouble, wouldn't you want them to sort of go small and spread them out and go strength on strength? I would. I mean, I'm I'm still in the camp that Mark Sturgeon is not in, which is that I think uh, Jackson is better at a, at five than Gill, and you know that that still isn't based on a ton. You know, that's just based on, you know, I think he's a pretty good rebounder and Gill's a little undersized. I, I mean, tend to agree so, with you on that too, by the way, and I bet Matt would also agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think Turgeon strategically, you know, has kind of been forced to you know turn someone who isn't quite a center into a center but i you know it, it's a matter of fit and I, you know he and i happen to disagree on you know who, who the better fit is there uh you and a lot of people disagree on that i guess uh the thing dave that we i guess we really haven't seen in maryland's now four uh, five ncaa tournament games is I don't remember Mellow Trimble really owning a game. He's owned games in the past, Northwestern game earlier this year, where he totally dominated them. He's obviously made buzzer beaters and clutch shots and could close games down the stretch, but unless my memory's fuzzy, he hasn't really owned an NCAA tournament game for Maryland, at least yet. It's been a lot more team efforts that have won them games. He's certainly helped down the stretch with free throw shooting, of course. But 
do you think he has to own this game against Xavier for Maryland to win? Because I think if he gets help, obviously, from Cowan and Herter and the like, then Maryland should be able to deal with what Xavier could do well. Yeah, I think part of me feels that if, if Maryland is relying on Mello to do everything and potentially try to do too much, then that means they are going to be in trouble or they already are in some sort of trouble. I really think they need other people to contribute. They really need Herter to contribute. They need Jackson to contribute. You know, I think they need to have a more kind of comprehensive team effort. Um, that doesn't mean that Mello can't have a big game, but I think there needs to be a um, greater kind of um, contribution from everyone around him as well. And I think when that's not happening, then other teams are really just shutting down on Trimble's ability to drive to the basket and potentially get fouled and get to the free throw line, which is really so much of his bread and butter. And Northwestern really kind of shut him down in the second half of that game, especially the second half of the second half. And if if other if other players aren't contributing and you know it's just kind of one on one isolation stuff that Melo's trying to run, their other teams are just gonna try to prevent that from happening. And I think it's also gonna come down to how refs call this game. Um, I think how tightly a game is called can really impact you know, how successful Maryland is because getting to the free throw line, especially for Mello is a really good and important part of Maryland's ability to succeed. They haven't been as good at free throw shooting this year as they have been in years past. The last couple of years, they were one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. They're not quite as good at that this year, but obviously if it becomes a foul shooting contest, I'd take Maryland at it more often than not, especially because Melo Trimble's probably going to be taking those foul shots, at least some of them. Thomas, I think the player that needs to play well for Maryland to have success, we talked about him a bit earlier, is Justin Jackson. When he's on, he is so good and such a matchup nightmare for so many teams because of the way he can play inside and out. But recently, he has not been playing anywhere near that sort of capability. And obviously, you're not going to get to it in every game, and he is a freshman, and he hit a bit of the freshman wall, I guess, so to speak, which Cowan and Herter both hit this year, too. But I still think when he plays well, there aren't many teams in the country that could beat Maryland when Justin Jackson is at his best, and particularly in this kind of game against a team that rebounds the ball very well. Don't you think if Justin Jackson plays well, that means Maryland's probably going to win? I would say so. I mean, you know, every game yeah where, where Jackson's played really well that I can remember you know they've won Michigan on the and, road was the one that immediately comes to mind where he was just out of his mind good no that's Minnesota well oh he was pretty Min- good in that game too no Minnesota was the one where he went for 28 that's true but he was great in that uh, he was the leading scorer in that Michigan game too but okay they were both yeah pretty good they were both pretty good and I mean but yeah Jackson it feels like when he isn't really on he do, he doesn't seem to impact the game in a ton of other ways like he doesn't shoot a lot you know he doesn't like unless he's airballing a few threes which happened a few times against uh, northwestern yeah i mean but he but he still like is one of their better three-point shooters you know he he shoots i think 40 percent from downtown so like yeah i mean he he just he can kind of disappear 
if, if he disappears, I don't like their chances as much. I agree. I, compl- I completely agree with you, too. And the other player, and I, I don't think Kevin Herter disappears. He's obviously very good defensively, but he, too, is, I think, a streakier shooter than uh, Justin Jackson obviously gets a lot more by the basket than Kevin Herter does. And I think Anthony Cowan's a more consistent shooter, not necessarily a better shooter. But, Dave, Kevin Herter, again, we've seen, I guess, less than Justin Jackson at times, but he could get those stretches where he's knocking down everything, too. And it's, it's one of those examples where, if everything goes right for the Terps, as we've mentioned before, they're such a difficult team to beat. But the problem is there haven't been many instances this year where it all has gone right. And so you're kind of wondering, well, if it can happen, Maryland is almost certainly going to win. But if they don't, and that's more likely than not, then they could have some trouble. And I guess with Kevin Herter, what do you want to see from him? Because, again, we're forgetting that all three of these guys are freshmen, and these are their first of presumably many tournament games. So what do you want to see from them, and what are your expectations for a guy like Herter in this game? I think Herter sometimes can try to do a little bit too much. I think sometimes he'll come down the court in a big spot and maybe throw up a three that he shouldn't necessarily um, throw up. Um, I think if he can really just do whatever is kind of in front of him, whatever the other team's defense is giving him. If he has an open three, certainly take it. I think he has the ability to hit those shots, and when he can hit those shots, I think it really opens up his entire game overall. I think he's an incredibly smart player. Um, You just see him do things and make extra passes, and I I think you you can't necessarily teach that and it's a real you know important skill that he has um so i think just not getting caught up in the moment would be good for him um again i think if he can contribute from outside and also you know get to the rim um i I think that would be really good i i just worry that um he'll try to do too much i think you saw that a little bit in the Northwestern game but you know again he he, as you said he is a freshman and he's certainly exceeded my expectations for what I thought Maryland would get out of him this year so um, hopefully we see a good productive game from him I think they all have I don't think anybody expected them all to be as good as they have been I mean we're accessing the totality of their seasons and as we said to have three really good freshmen who weren't amazingly rated recruits all come together at once. It certainly made this team a lot more fun to watch all year, if sometimes frustrating. But again, as you said, Dave, at the top, you thought this team was going to be a bubble team this year. The fact that they ended up as a sixth seed and third best in the Big Ten, the Big Ten was obviously way down this year, but all of that combined made for a very, very fun season. And I don't know how many Maryland fans are going to complain if they lose, since you're a longer-term Maryland fan than obviously Thomas or I. Uh, you could give us more perspective on this. Is this one of those games where obviously Maryland fans will be angry if they lose, but will they be all that, I guess, disappointed in hindsight if they don't win a game? I mean, I think it's been like 12 straight tournament appearances they've won a game in. So obviously they don't go one and done very often, but is this one of those games that if they lose it after the initial anger goes away, is this going to be regarded as, I guess, a disappointing season or will it be viewed in a different light? Um, 
I think you can think about that in a couple of different ways. Uh, for some perspective, this is the third straight year that Maryland has made the tournament, and that has not happened since the 2003-2004 season, which I believe was the 11th straight year they had made the tournament. So since the end of that season, Maryland has not made the NCAA tournament three consecutive years since then. So you know that's no small feat in and of itself, especially considering the more parity that you're seeing with in college basketball these days. So, you know, if you're looking at it from that perspective, you know, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, again, I don't think many people thought that this team was going to necessarily be in the tournament this year. Um, I also think, though, when they started out 20 and two expectations for this team changed somewhat. Um, but then again, when you're looking at the fact that Maryland hasn't had their full complement of players. I mean, Deion Wiley is finally starting to play a little bit now, and I don't know if that's out of necessity. Um, but then you also lose your, you know, arguably best player in the front court. Um, so you need to take those things into consideration. So I mean, I think even if they do lose, it's it's good that they were there for a third consecutive year. Again, they finished in the top four of the Big Ten for the third consecutive year and you know achieved the double buy. And when you look at what potential they have moving forward, I think that's what people will focus on. A rebuilding year that turned out to be not so much a rebuilding year. So briefly, we all go for your predictions and then potentially what's coming on since we're not going to record a podcast on Friday uh, should they win or lose, obviously, but more if they won. Uh, Thomas, do you think they win? They're a two-point favorite in Vegas. That sounds about right. As you said, this game feels a lot like a toss-up, but do you think they win? I mean, I have I have Maryland winning in my brackets. I I honestly don't know. I think Xavier might be the better team. They could easily be the better team, but they haven't played like it for a while, and you have to kind of, I guess, assume, based on their recent form, they're an 11 seed for a reason. This was the number seventh ranked team in the country in the first preseason poll and ended up as one of the last four teams that got a bye. So it does tell you, I guess, a little bit something. Uh, Dave, do you think they win? Um, I don't know. I've gone back and forth on this a lot. If you want to go to Maryland's favorite source for analysis, uh, Mr. Ken Pomeroy, he has Xavier winning by one point, and I think... That to me kind of sums up what this game is. I think Thomas said this earlier. Like it's, I I think it's really going to be kind of a coin flip. Um, but I'll say that since Maryland has played unbelievably well on the road this year, that or they'll neutral sites. or neutral sites that they will pull out the win down in Orlando. I think the other thing that they have going for them is that they are so good in close games. They haven't played a ton of them recently, but. As we said, when they get into close games, there isn't really much of a better team in the country at finding a way to pull those out than Maryland. And I think they win. I think we're all picking them in our bracket. I would be shocked if there's anybody in the 208 people in the Testudo Times bracket pool that does not pick them to win, at least in the first round. Which, by the way, you have uh, one full day left to join up in the very, very large Testudo Times bracket pool, where, of course, 
you don't win anything huge if you win. You only win a shout out on the podcast, on the Facebook page, on Twitter, and on the website. So that's a good ego boost for all of you. And especially if you could beat over 200 people that are in there now and potentially more as time goes on. So please do not forget to join that if you haven't already. But since you're probably listening to this show, you likely already have. It's on Yahoo. Please join in. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and again, you get to beat all of us more than likely, which is a great feeling. Uh, quickly, before we go on to the women, where Thomas is going to get the floor to rant for a while, uh, if Maryland is to win, they would more than likely play Florida State, the last team they played as an ACC team, how odd that might be. They're playing in Orlando, so it's a road game in air quotes. But I've seen a number of people, Thomas, pick Florida Gulf Coast, and that's not because this is Dunk City Part 2, necessarily. It's because nobody really likes Florida State all that much. If Maryland is to play Florida State, do you think they match up well? They're a very deep team. They're a big team, and they can beat a lot of people, but not a lot of folks around the country seem to like them very much. Yeah, the uh, Florida State is like uh, – the, the Ringer had a thing earlier this year about basically Florida State is the Monstars. Like they, the, their average player like on the roster is like 6'8", six, 6'9", and they don't have anybody shorter than 6'4", including walk-ons. So, you know, they they are a huge height, dis, you know, bad matchup for Maryland. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But, as we said, not a lot of people seem to like them. Plenty yeah, seem I to think, have them going out in the first round at Florida Gulf Coast for what that's worth. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, think, I, I think I think Florida Maryland's Gulf- beating Florida State, but then again, I could entirely see a scenario in which Maryland gets lucky like they did last year and went Hawaii beat Cal. So I could totally yeah, I, see that happening again. And Florida Gulf Coast is, you know, a, a pretty good team. Like I, I saw them a couple times on TV this year. I mean, that Dunk City team was was really impressive, and you know, they're kind of the the model for these super low seeds actually doing something. And so, you know, whenever they're in, people, you know, they'll be kind of a trendy pick because they've done it before, but. I don't know. I, I think Florida State probably gets by them, and if they get Maryland, I, I like them right there. I would totally agree with that. Now, even if they do get to the Sweet 16 where they would more than likely play Arizona, which we will preview if it happens, uh, yeah, I don't like that matchup for Maryland at all. I like it even less than Florida State. Uh, but just in case you're wondering how luck works, turns out I'm flying to San Jose next Thursday uh, for a completely different sports reason, which you can infer uh, on your own based on following my Twitter feed. You could probably figure it out. And I would probably be flying while Maryland is playing in the Sweet 16 in San Jose. Obviously, that's how it works. Let's shift gears to the women's team, Thomas. And I'm just going to give you the floor to rant because I know you want to rant and you've done so on the site. But now I'm going to give you a chance to do it and actually sound as legitimately angry as you probably feel at how the women got totally jobbed with their seating and their region. It's it's one of the biggest criminal misseedings I've seen in any sport, men's or women's basketball. Um, well, criminal misseeding, one of my favorite ones was uh, Princeton a few years ago was undefeated and was an eight seed. This is uh, true, that, that and Maryland was... ended up beating them, so. Maryland beat, yeah. But, but um, yeah, so... We've had this, you know, we had a similar discussion kind of all season because they were number nine in the first reveal. And you thought, okay, like, 
you know, as long as they just win their games and other teams lose and a bunch of other teams lost, like every team that was ahead of them there, obviously, except for UConn, lost like a couple times since. So, you know, they started to move up a little bit. Charlie Cream had him as the seven uh, in his bracketology, and he's generally pretty smart about these things, you know. And last year, with the same exact res, with like not the exact same resume, but so like so incredibly similar. They that last year's team was entered thirty and three, uh, with wins against everyone except UConn and Ohio State, and one wait of the big ten. Wait a minute, what team are you talking about? <laughs> Which year's both, team are you talking about? Both. I guess it's supposed to be both. a joke, but it's fine. Uh, well. well how, how dare you interrupt the rant for a joke? Oh, no. This is it. Thomas, Thomas, oh, no. we've done 78 of these shows, and you've been on plenty of them. You should know how I operate as host by now. Yeah, I mean, m- most of your jokes don't throw me off like that. But, uh, uh, but, but anyway. Good, so it was fine. <laughs> Continue. I don't know. A- anyway, so the the point that I made in in the the column rant thing that's on the website is is that you would think a team with such a similar resume would get pretty close to the same seed, um, but Maryland didn't. And that suggests that the committee, you know, just really kind of applied different standards this year than last, which is not, you know, obviously not how it should be. I, I would have understood maybe being like the eight, which would have been, you know, the number two seed in UConn's region. There, there would still be some outrage, obviously. Um, a little less. I think being a three behind a five-loss Duke team um, with a former Maryland point guard on it. And it being you know, Duke, it, of course. And and just, yeah, existing as Duke. Yeah, that, that sat extra poorly with a lot of people. So, I, so the, the selection show, like people showed up just to see Maryland get their seating. And so the show starts at seven. I was there, you know, a couple hours before that for dinner. Um, and so every, you know, we got all this, I've got a story prep for, for, you know, their seed getting announced and, you know, now that it's out, like I had, I had basically pre-written the, they were the seventh overall seed, which make them the two seed in Notre Dame's region. That's what I had started to write. And then the West Virginia Elon game flashes up as in college park. And then we realize, Oh God. And, you know, the fans, the fans like kind of half cheer when Maryland gets gets picked because they know ESPN's going to see it. And then when Duke gets called as the two, there are like the the place is filled with booze. It's hilarious. Well, that, that's then, I mean, th- if they do end up getting to the Final Four, unlikely now because they're in UConn's region. But if they do get to the Final Four, it's going to be one of the great Maryland sports tales ever told because not only will they okay. have beaten Duke a team that was unjustly seated ahead of them, they will have ended UConn's ridiculous win streak in their own backyard. It will have been, it would be one of the greatest Maryland sports stories ever. And it will oh, yeah. all be with the team as angry as you probably have ever seen them. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's what happens. That'll be, that'll be, you know, a story I'll get to tell forever. And so then after, after the seedings announced, you know, Brenda Freeze goes on ESPN and, you know, gives some kind of, I actually haven't seen the interview because they didn't have like the uh, ESPN audio up for that part of it. But, but yeah. And then, you know, some of the players, you know, talk to reporters for a few minutes and then 
like everyone just kind of leaves and this you know at the at this point it's like less than halfway through the show so i just today tuesday like actually looked at the full bracket and saw that michigan like the third best team in the big 10 got snubbed from the whole tournament which is totally dumb michigan's a very good team i don't i don't know and what what seed was ohio state in case people were wondering they were a five which is also also not right both tournament committees showed the big 10 no love this year well the I'm not I'm not on board with the the idea that the Big Ten didn't get any love from the men's committee. They got seven teams in, and every team that really should have been in got in. Um, you know, Except some teams we said were, the Wisconsin seeding, which was totally unjust. Like we but we thought fine. we thought I thought Purdue would be a five. I didn't think any Big Ten teams would be better than a five, and they gave Purdue a four. But the only team they really, in my eyes, like kind of disrespected was Wisconsin. Everyone else seemed pretty fair to me i don't i don't know where people are getting that yeah that's true but for the women but for the yeah. women yeah yeah like maryland was too low ohio state was too low purdue and michigan state i think were purdue was a nine i, I don't remember where michigan state was they might have been an eight and michigan was left out completely i didn't i didn't i wasn't a fan of that and the other thing that kind of sucks, I guess, so to speak, is that Maryland's playing their game against Bucknell on noon on Friday as if it wasn't already bad enough. You know, hi, you get an unjust seed. Now you get to play Friday at noon. I think that's like the least of their worries. I know, I know, I know. But I always find that to be mildly amusing when that happens. Uh, Dave, I don't want you to be quiet for too long. And you, of course, follow all Maryland sports. Uh, what did you think of this seeding and, of course, this team? Well, when I heard it, um, I tweeted out that Maryland women as a three seed in UConn's bracket is the biggest embarrassment of the selection committee, men's and women's. Well, that's essentially um, what I said. <laughs> I I think, I mean, it's it's bad enough that they made them a three seed. I think to make them a three seed and UConn's bracket as well was just like throwing salt on the wound. Like that and then was putting just, Duke ahead like, of them made it like extra, yeah. Extra I mean, worse. to Thomas's point though, I you know I actually Michigan not being in there at all um, is also a huge huge injustice, which I just do not understand. Like the the I I have not heard what the selection committee said if they said anything about why they are so down on the Big Ten and why they kind of poo-pooed everything Maryland did this season. Um, Brenda's Freese's quote afterwards was pretty funny. She said, we understand it's tournament time. I'm most surprised that being a team ranked top four in the country, we earn a three seed, 30 wins, win your conference or regular season in conference tournament. At this point, it doesn't matter. Put your head down and give the bracket you have. It's the next opportunity. Given the bracket you have, it's the next opportunity. So, obviously, pretty ticked off about where they were seated. But I think you know maybe this will be a a motivation thing for them that will help them um, tear through that bracket. Um, if they played UConn, you know, compared to how other teams play against UConn, they played pretty darn well against them. Um, not that UConn isn't a force to be wrecking with that's probably now getting on par with what UCLA did back in the 70s um, 
it's obviously going to be hard to beat them, but you know, maybe Maryland can do it. You know, again, the other addition to the injustice of it is, of course, UConn's playing at Bridgeport, home game. So not only do you have to play in UConn's region, you then have to play them on the road, essentially, which makes it even harder. Maryland played really well against UConn this year, but that was at a crazy Xfinity Center, which, as any team will tell you, going in that building when it's full and it's crazy, it's a hard place to win. doesn't matter who you are, what sport it is. Going into UConn, basically in their own backyard, that's, that's just brutal. But... Let's see if Maryland could do it. At least they don't have to play Thomas. They don't have to play Kelsey Plum in uh, round two this year, which is a, a blessing, I guess, because eh, Kelsey Plum is amazing at basketball and just single-handedly beat Maryland last year with a team that was higher-seeded somehow. Yeah, I mean, last year's Washington team, you know, was was Kelsey Plum, Talia Walton, Chantel Osahor, and then kind of three other role players, and that was it. Like, they played six players the whole year they were they were you know a good team all season but like they didn't really you know separate themselves from anybody until the tournament and you know this year you know with, with plum back and you know taking our game up two levels from being like the nation's leading scorer somehow yeah then it's you know it's been incredible to watch from time to time and you know i i kind of hope they see him again it would be it'd be cool the way, what are they in the other like opposite Maryland on the opposite side of the bracket or are they down below? I them? actually don't know. Yeah, they're not in Maryland. Really this up. We they're not in Maryland. This up. They're a obviously three they're seed. not. I know they're a three seed, but obviously we we haven't looked this up because we're I don't know we're lazy or we're angry at the seeding from yesterday. I'm, I'm, I turned it. I turned the the show off after Maryland got that seed to say what it was worth. Uh, they are in the Oklahoma City Regional, which I'm trying to see. Yeah, so they were playing the final four, and they both got there. Mm-hmm. Although that, that is that is Baylor's region, and that's that's actually an even worse like uh, regional thing because they uh, there's a regional in Stockton, and because all of the four one seeds were, you know, you know Texas or East, no one wanted to be in Stockton, and so you would think the worst one seed would have to go in Stockton, but. Baylor is the worst one seed, and they put him in Oklahoma City because it's closer to Baylor. That's just hilarious. And the two seed for the South Carolina Stockton Regional is Oregon State. Uh, the, the the tournament committee got a bit wrong, but there's no Jay Billis or Dick Vitale to yell at them on the women's side. I think Carol Lawson and Rebecca Lobo are a bit nicer than that. Uh, quickly, Thomas, end of the show. We always like to go over the other sports that are going on in Maryland, even though we're all definitely subsumed by basketball right now. Quick update on the other things that have happened recently uh for events that have not been snowed out well do you do you want uh what's happening with this current team or do you want what's happening with eighth graders committing to maryland oh oh we should mention uh, talk about that and then we'll get to the eighth grader committing for lacrosse and i'm gonna rant about that i don't care if the show's going long i have to say my piece on that thank you for reminding me about that by the way (laughs) i mean I'll, i'll say that like just just on that you know I've, 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 you know, a lot of my, one of my friends, I think, committed for softball in eighth or ninth grade and actually is a senior now and is going to Virginia. So, you know, people, there is a lot of pressure on kids to, you know, commit early and recruiting starts early because it, it's been proven that, you know, one of the best ways to get 
you know, a really good player is to be one of the first people to be in contact with them. And, you know, that ends up just being earlier and earlier and earlier. And so unless the NCAA passes rules kind of forbidding contact until a certain point, then, you know, this is how it's going to be. We're going to have coaches popping up at bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs really soon. That's going to be freaking disturbing as all hell. Well, well, probably not if unless they're actually playing like basketball or lacrosse or whatever at said bar mitzvah. But anyway, no, 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 no. You you know college coaches. They're going to find the next way. If Jim Harbaugh can get a really talented football recruit at his bar mitzvah, age 13 in seventh grade, you know he's going to do it. Also, Jim Harbaugh would go to a bar mitzvah and get turned. We know that. Oh, that would so. be amazing. We need videos of that. Anyway, please continue on the uh, the other uh, yeah. sports point. Yeah. So Maryland baseball had an eight-game winning streak until today. Uh, they they played at UNC. They got out of College Park in time to play UNC, but they uh, lost. So they're now nine and six. That's still pretty good. They're back this weekend. Um, Maryland softball. They're starting their home set this week because it's springtime totally and it's like cold here and snowing there's snow on the ground um but yeah they are 418 and one so come see them yes um, lacrosse yeah, how, and, how they doing uh well maryland men's lacrosse was going to play albany this week but it was 18 degrees and like windy as hell in albany so they did not play outside and no. Maryland Women's Lacrosse uh, played in College Park and beat number four Syracuse by 10 goals, which is very good. So Maryland Women's Lacrosse is still incredibly dominant at just about everything, except when they're playing North Carolina, funny enough. Well, uh, they, they beat North Carolina already. This yeah, I still have bad playing North Carolina. last year. Yeah. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Uh, the quick thing on the John Tillman getting an eighth grader to commit to Maryland now. Obviously, Maryland lacrosse is a big deal, but doesn't it feel a bit icky that they're doing that? And even when we when it was football and basketball, I felt icky. And it's lacrosse. It's non-rev sport, even though it's Maryland and it's lacrosse. I still feel a bit icky about this. Dave, this is the last point before we end this show. Uh, am I overthinking this? Am I overreacting to this feeling a bit icky that we're getting eighth graders to commit now to college programs when they're not going to be in college for another four plus years? Uh, I don't know. I've always thought the college recruiting is kind of icky, as you described. Yes, it, it, it um, is icky in general. But I mean, it's ickier the younger the kids are. I will. I'll tell you what is depressing and upsetting about college recruits is looking at what year a kid that's in eighth grade right now was born. And then even you people who are younger than me will feel very, very old when this you're like, Oh my he's God. Coming to to- he's coming to college in 2021. Do you know what that makes it that he was born? That would make it 2003. Very good job, Thomas. Yeah. My, my brother math. is currently in ninth grade class of 2020. Yeah. I mean, once we're and, starting to get that sort yeah. of stuff, it's, it's no, it's just not working for me. It's just not working for me. I'll, I'll tell you what's yeah. not working for me is uh, for the win ranked all 68 NCAA tournament teams by mascot. And they put Testudo at 68 out of 68. I, I know. I know. And have I'm on like, them, for the record, the... that was, that was like 
They're, that's anti-terrapin, not anti-testudo. Has anybody ever they, shown they them that crazy psychotic not. turtle video that is biting the dude who had the camera's hand off? There are a few of them. Why don't there's we show a, them there's that? There's a few that's a angry idea. turtle videos. They also, this same list had ducks at 20. Well, I'm on a Twitter rant about it now. So. Ah, okay. I don't usually get into mascot arguments, and I don't pick my bracket based on mascot stuff, which I know other people do. Because, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Testudo is still awesome, and I like... The, terrapins are at least better than racist Indian names, and there are still too many of them in, this, uh, in college sports. But need I remind you... If you're tweeting about North Dakota, who is playing somebody, I don't remember who they're, I think it's Arizona, uh, please do not call them by the name that they used to have if you remember what they, the name that they used to have, especially if you're a fan of college hockey. Don't do that because then people are going to come and attack you or something. It's a weird situation. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, your life is better for it because I did pay attention and it was mind-numbingly stupid. Anyway... Please enjoy the tournament at Maryland's games. We hope your bracket does well. Hopefully it doesn't do better than mine, of course, but, you know, I'm selfish. The game on Thursday is at 6.50 on Nitro, as Chris Berman used to call it, or TNT. So it's the first game of the night session uh, against Xavier. And Maryland's last time they went to Orlando in the NCAA tournament, it was 1999. They won both games. So that is obviously very cool. Uh, Dave, you were in school then, weren't you? 99. No, oh, no, no, I was not. Was before you went to school. <laughs> It was close. 99 was two years before I went to school. Oh, is it two years? Okay. Yes. Oh, good. You're younger than I thought you were. That's fantastic. That's a sure <laughs> sign that we need to end the show. But thank you, Dave, so much for being on. It's great always to have you on. And Thomas, good work as always. And uh, please read his stuff on the women's team. And again, the games are at College Park on Friday and Sunday, so you should go if you are able to, to send the angry, angry, angry Terrapins off on their march towards making everybody very, very very red-faced that they seated them incorrectly. But until then, of course, no terms.